like Thad said, this is the final week in our re-series. My name's Jaden, and so um, if this is your first time here today, don't regret. I'm going to do a quick fast-forward blurb version of each of the talks that got us to week seven. And so what we've been doing is talking about all the words that start with the re-prefix. That's why there's a big R-E right there and then a bunch of other words. So Week one was renew, and we said that everyone needs renewal through Christ. If we're going to join the mission of Jesus, we have to find renewal through him. Week two, we talked about rediscovering the mission of Jesus in that because it's easily forgotten or sometimes we just choose to ignore it. And then week three, we, went, we talked about recommitting, and that means you are gifted for the mission of Jesus, and we need to recommit our gifts Week four was reconnect, and that just was plainly, we need to reconnect with each other. We need to choose to be people that connect with other followers of Jesus so that we can be empowered to connect with people that don't know Jesus and actually share the love that God has given us through our relationships of just being with other people and being with Jesus. We need to reconnect with him too. Week five was reimagine what the church is, and we looked at how we can kind of change the stigma, the history of what it means to be involved in the church and change that for today. And then last week we talked about reinvesting. And basically we want to reinvest what we have so that others can uh, experience Jesus. And so uh, when we talked about reinvesting, it wasn't just about our money, but we need to reinvest our gifts. We need to reinvest our time as well. So we talked a lot about margin and we talked a lot about not overextending ourselves and every area of our lives, and choosing to live in the power that God has given us in the situation that he has brought us in. And so today, week seven, what are we talking about today? Well, today is restart. And so this is a culmination of everything we've talked about, was we want to restart kind of our lives almost in this new sense of if I'm going to join the mission of Jesus, I want to restart. And so restarting can mean two things. It, it can mean to begin again if we need to, or it can mean to continue on the work that is happening within us. And so when I say the work that is happening within us, what do I mean by that? Well, in Philippians 1, 3 through 6, this has been our theme verse for this series. And it's, we're going to read it together one more time. This will be the seventh time reading it. But it's truly our heart when we're talking about this series. We want to just continue the work that God has within us. And so I don't want to spoil anything, even though we've read it six times. So let's read it together. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will be will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. This is what the heart of this series has been all about is that we want to continue the work that God has been doing in us. God loves you so specifically that it's crazy, it's hard to come up with words sometimes to tell you how much God loves you specifically in whatever situation you might be going through. God loves you. But 
when we choose to finally connect with his mission, when we choose to finally let that fact sink into our lives that he loves us and I'm going to join the mission of Jesus, we're basically telling God and Jesus that my life is fair game. That now you, Jesus, get to determine the steps that I take with my life. And this is basically what I like to call following the will of God. It's like, I'm going to let his lifestyle, I'm going to let Jesus determine where I go with my life. The decisions that I make, the things that I say, everything that I do comes out of this fact that God loves me and I'm choosing to join him and follow him in his mission. And so he begins this work deep inside of us because God doesn't do something in our heart for it just to stay in there. He does this so that it can actually branch out, that it can actually be seen. And so as much as this transformation happens, it works from the inside out, and sometimes we kind of keep this transformation within us because we think it's just for us, and I don't want to, I don't want to force anyone into following Jesus. I don't want to, you know, force anyone with my life, but I'm going to choose it for my life. But that's the thing with this, is yes, this series has been all about looking deep inside of ourselves, making decisions, choosing to restart, but this is about other people too. This is about being able to be seen and basically working out this inside-out process. That we work in our hearts first, we work on the inside first, but it is an inside-out process because eventually people are going to see it. If you're truly living with the knowledge and understanding that God loves you, your life will change and people will see it. And so today we're going to look at some verses in the Old Testament that can help us look at how that outward expression of the good work within us can begin to happen today. And so we're going to read from a book, and it's called Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was a prophet. And basically, he's a prophet of God at a very tumultuous time for God's people. The kingdom of Judah is where uh, Jeremiah is primarily focused, and the capital city of Judah is Jerusalem. And so basically, at this time, what we're reading is... Uh, Jerusalem and all of Judah are being conquered by the Babylonians. And so what is happening is they're actually taking people from the kingdom of Judah and taking them to Babylon. And these, these people are becoming exiles. And so Jeremiah's role is to explain why all of this is happening, to give instructions to the people on what to do, and also provide hope for the future, all as the mouthpiece of God. And so the verses that we're going to be reading today are in response to Jeremiah finding out that these exiles are being told by false prophets that their time in Babylon is only going to be for a short time. And Jeremiah knows that actually that's not the case, unfortunately. You're going to be there a long time, and so it's time to make some new plans. And so he sends a letter to them, and Jeremiah is instructing them that, in fact, you're going to be there a while. And so let's read what Jeremiah says to do to these, this specific group of people in Jeremiah 29. 5 through 7 are the verses we're reading. And Jeremiah says this, Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle, dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So that's our big idea today. Is if the community is blessed, you will be blessed. And that's the heart 
of this whole series. This is where we wanted to get to, is that if our community is blessed, we'll be blessed. And so Jeremiah is talking, basically saying to these exiles, you are exiles in a land that is not your own, so why don't you make most of this situation? Become productive and profitable members of the place that is now your home. And so if the community is blessed, you will be blessed. That's what Jeremiah is saying. And so now this is an instruction, and so this is important to understand. This is an instruction for a specific group of people at a specific time. And when we're reading in the Old Testament, it's very important that we take the things that we read in the Old Testament and we apply them to what Jesus says. Because Jesus is going to be the ultimate prophet. Jesus is going to be the ultimate scripture reader and understander. And so when we're going to read Old Testament scriptures and try and apply them to our lives, we need to look at how Jesus lived his life, how he instructed people, and what he taught. Because ultimately, he's the ultimate prophet. He determines how we read scripture. And so, and, and so we're going to ask the question is, can we apply what Jeremiah is saying to this specific group of exiles and apply it to our lives today? And so we read in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. This is kind of where I want to get at today is Jesus understood this same thing. The, the fact that if you are choosing to be followers of Jesus, if you're choosing to identify by the love that God has for you, other people are going to see it. So this is what Jesus says, and he's talking, he's teaching, and this is a part of scripture that's called the Sermon on the Mount. And if you want to know what Jesus thought about current issues, if you want to know what Jesus thought of just about people in general, and basically his whole like manifesto of life, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is a very good place to start. And so we're going to read Matthew 5, 13 to 16, and Jesus says this, you are the salt of the earth, But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Then he goes on. He says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And so what we hear right here is Jesus explaining that if you're going to follow me, you can't just hide it. Other people are going to see it. And when, we, when they do see it, that's pointing to me. Jesus is saying, when you do good deeds because you're followers of me, that points back to who I am. And so what does he mean by salt? Well, salt at this time, they didn't have refrigerators. And so salt is a preservative. And so when he says that, don't lose your saltiness, he's saying you are going to be preserving the people that you're around. When you're around them and you're loving them, that's a a preservative factor. But don't lose your saltiness. You know, don't we all like to be a little salty sometimes? You know, isn't that kind of fun? I, I, that was not in my notes. That just came to my head. I should have kept it in there. What I wanted to focus, it's so funny. I wasn't even going to address the saltiness part. And then I totally embarrassed myself this morning. I was like, you know what? I should really talk about salt. Ugh. So anyway, what I wanted to focus on is that we're lights. And that Jesus tells us you're lights. And we can't hide it away because it's always going to shine for people. And so this is what's really important, is that if we're going to live as beacons of hope and beacons of Jesus' love, is that when other people see it, they're not seeing your 
specific gifts. They're not seeing your specific love in that, oh, you are just such a loving person. No, that is because Jesus inside of you, and that points back to who he is. And so this is the cool thing, is we don't get to be prideful, but we get to humble ourselves and say, the reason I am the way I am is all because of Jesus. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Is like, he, he came to bring the kingdom of God, and Jesus is saying, if I'm here, I'm bringing it here. And so now we're in this time of, we are kingdom bearers of his kingdom. Like, we are, as beacons of his hope, we are holding this kingdom in our lives, and we're choosing to live our lives because of it. And so this is like everything that we've been talking about in this series, is how do we connect to the mission of Jesus? How do we be kingdom bearers? And so when we're holding this kingdom in our lives, what we realize is that we are kind of like exiles, almost like the people that Jeremiah was talking to. Although we're not being judged because of it. This is the mantle that Jesus has on us. The people that Jeremiah is speaking to, they're exiles because they'd never turn to God. All of his warnings, they'd never turn to God. And God said, you know what? I'm going to lift my protection and people are going to come and they're going to take you away to a new land. And so what's cool is that now as followers of Jesus, as people holding his kingdom, we have like a new nationality. We are citizens of heaven. And so now we get to kind of process this, okay, what is my life what is my life supposed to be like now that I'm a citizen of Jesus, that I'm a follower of him? It's almost that like I'm in exile. And we'll explain a little bit more about what that means in the coming plans. But a kingdom, it's already here because of Jesus, but it's also one that is not fulfilled because we're still waiting for his return. And so in this time, as followers of Jesus, we are bearers of this kingdom. We are owners who get to live according to the rule of Jesus and the way that he lived his life. In our pursuit of being kingdom bearers, in our pursuit of being on the mission of Jesus, we get to be beacons of light. We get to be people that preserve, just like the salt he was talking about, who Jesus is. In Jeremiah's teachings and principles, we can use them as a starting point for the way that we live our lives. Because it's really good information. It's good things to apply to our lives. And so we're going to walk through those things. And so thought one today is that we need to plan to stay. Jeremiah said, build your homes and plan to stay. Are we choosing to be rooted or do we live life with this fleeting sense of, I'll invest when I know that I'm going to be here a long time? And so the statistics about what this means for our culture right now is this. 25% of Americans move every five years. The average American will move 11 and a half times in their lifetime. That's like a lot of movement around from city to city, community to community, maybe state to state, maybe across the country to another state all the way where you don't know anyone. And so this idea that Jeremiah is saying, build your homes and plan to stay, is like, what if we were so rooted in a community, invested ourselves so much, that when the time came for a job promotion where it would take you from somewhere, or the time came where you're looking to get out, where you said, you know what, I'm so rooted, I'm so invested in this community that the extra money just doesn't matter because I know God has called me to be in a community. Your neighborhood you have invested in might just be too valuable to give up. 
the people in your group here at Open Life might just be so close to friends that they're family. And it's like, you know what? I can't give this up even though I'm going to make $20,000 more if I were to move across the state or if I were to leave across the country. Maybe you've passed on this idea of investment into your kids and you realize they've dug roots into their schools with their friends and they're making an impact. And you'd say, you know what, if I uprooted them from their situation right now, it would be drastically bad for their health. And so this is what it means when Jeremiah's plan to stay, build homes, invest yourself in the community. But we live in in a culture that says, you know what, don't plan to stay, plan for you. Plan for your prosperity. Don't plan for other people's. And so I remember my, my family always told me, I think my parents moved 27 different times from house to house. Like they've lived in 27 different places. And that's a crazy amount. Luckily, when I was born, like I've only remember three homes that I lived in. So things kind of leveled out. And so I say all this not to like say, oh, you can never leave Bonnie Lake. You guys are stuck here. Don't ever leave. You know, because things will happen. Job transfers will happen. One time my dad was going to lose his job if he didn't transfer. So you just have to make those decisions sometimes. But if it's the opportunities available to you and you're looking at this and you're saying, you know what, I just am so invested in Bonnie Lake or I'm so invested in Buckley or I'm so invested in Sumner that you can't leave. That might be God telling you, you know what, like I have a plan for you in this community for right now. And so what if you're new here or what if you've just moved into the area? My encouragement to you is get invested get, just don't wait like six months after things settle down. Don't wait for one year. Don't wait for two years because that can just pile on each other. But get invested and begin to build deep roots in the community, in your neighborhoods, in your schools, in your church, hopefully open life. You know, but like this is the idea that Jeremiah is trying to say here is like, you're not just going to be here for a little while. You're going to be here a long time. So get rooted. And then thought two, he goes on and he says, plant gardens and eat the food they produce. And so thought two is produce. And so what does this mean? Well, I wanted to kind of take this in two different areas. You got spiritual production, and then you got really practical production. And so to address the spiritual side, Jesus said we are shining lights. And so every time we are in a place where we know Jesus isn't necessarily known as much as you know them, that's your responsibility to be a beacon. To like say, you know what, like I think of a beacon as like, a lighthouse on the coast that's just spinning around, you know, trying to protect the ships. And so it was like, if you're a beacon, like you're spinning around, like shining light at people, giving people glimpses of who Jesus is. It might not be like totally all the time, but as you're going through your life and going through your cycle, you're shining on people, showing them who Jesus is so they can have those moments of security. So that when they get close to the edge, maybe your beacon of hope shows them what hope and truth and love is in their lives. So as we plan to stay, there's a responsibility for us to plant seeds in every aspect of our lives. And this is where it kind of gets into what Jeremiah is saying. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Plant seeds in people's lives and expect to gain something out of it, to expect that to grow. Pray for people that you're intentionally planting seeds with. And so the goal is always that more and more people come to know and follow Jesus. But then on the practical side, because I want to be super practical, and we're going to get to some very practical things later. 
But how do we produce for our community? How can we just generously bless our, our community? And I was just thinking, there's a special energy that comes when we are able to support local businesses with our finances. When we have the opportunity to go to a local restaurant or go to or to use a local service industry or to go to a local store where you know you're not just paying someone and it's going up to the corporate headquarters all the way across the country. But there's something that happens when we're able to walk into a local store or local restaurant and know that when I hand over my buck, it's staying in that building. It's going to that owner that lives and is rooted in the community. And so this is like what's cool. Like when Thad first started Open Life, he decided to join the Chamber of Commerce. And he's like the president of it now. And it's just really cool that a church person is in charge of the commerce of a city. And it's like when we can do that and intentionally invest in local businesses, that is something that's super practical. And so sometimes we have to go to Walmart. I go to Walmart. We love Walmart for all they do to bless the big give. So I'm not saying we cannot go to national chains. I'm not trying to like start an uprising inside of little open life. Just like local church protests all national chains. You know, that's not what I'm doing here. But I'm just saying there's something so awesome when we can intentionally invest our finances when we're just grabbing something that's tangible in our lives and we know it's going to stay local. Thought three, multiply. Marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren multiply. Do not dwindle away. That kind of sounds like what my parents said to me when me and Danny got married. Multiply. <laughs> Turn into many. And it's just like so funny that has not happened. We've, we have a dog. <laughs> and so it's, that's where we're at right now with our lives. And so this might sound on face value, it might sound hard for maybe some of you who might be trying to have kids, or you might feel judged if you're single. And so I want to be super clear and specific here, is that yes, in the Old Testament, when God commanded people to multiply and be very fruitful, he was talking about families, because you can't, if like literally, they had to multiply if they were going to survive. But what's cool is that after Jesus and after following him, now we have a spiritual family. And so when we're applying what Jesus is saying, be beacons of light, be beacons of hope to people, create a community of followers of Jesus, when we're talking about multiplying and becoming part of the family, we're talking about moments like this when we come together and we worship. We're talking about moments like groups when we come together and get to know what's going on in people's lives and walk through life with people. And so if you are parents and you do have families and you have multiplied like that, work to be the best parents that you can be to invest into your kids. Work at focusing on what is most important in life so that your kids know what is most important in life. You're not alone in this, and that's why some time to time it's really cool when we have baby dedications here at Open Life because we get to do the Lion King thing and raise the child up, and everyone gets to pray for them and pray for the families. And so if you're new here, we really don't do it like the Lion King. We just pray. So I just I don't want to like, this. you're really thinking, man, this is a salty group. This is a group that loves the Lion King. This is a group that's protesting big business. So no, it's like... We're cool. You know, we're good. And so, uh, 
But there's something that happens when we do that, when we have that family mentality, when people aren't just friends, but when people become brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles. And in certain cases, sometimes you get new fathers or you get new mothers or you begin to have those extra father figures in your life. You get those close bonds and relationships. And it's cool. And it's special. And that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about multiplication, when we're talking about multiplying, we're talking about bringing people into the family of Jesus so that they can experience the hope and love that comes from following him. And so that's what, when you were talking about this. But I want you to think even a step farther. What about foster care? What about if we were a group of people that were just known for fostering children as a beacon? There could be no greater impact in a life of a kid or of a family where you see just this impact where a kid is actually saved from the path that they're going down because we adopted them into a physical family, but also adopted them into a spiritual family. And so this is generational impact too for you families who haven't adopted kids, but have your own kids. It's like if we invest and build into them, what is most important? Then their kids know what's most important, and their kids know what's most important. And you got generations by generations of people following Jesus because we chose to root ourselves into a community and love people, and we showed them what is most important in their lives. So thought four, work for peace and prosperity. Jeremiah said, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city in which and where I sent you into, where I sent you into exile. So I don't know about you, but when you see the ugly things that might be a part of our community, and I'm not talking about like ugly things, but when you drive by the needs of our community and you just see them as like a sore, as something that you want to be praying for and you want to invest into and change, isn't there just this something inside of you that says, this is not right? Or like, this is not how things are supposed to be. And so a foster care and, you know, kids that are abandoned could fall into this category. Isn't it cool that we are empowered to work for the peace and prosperity of our community by the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work within us? And so this whole series, and we're talking about continue the work that God started in you. Let it, you know, build from within and go out. This is what we're talking about. We want to work for the peace and prosperity of our community through the power of the Holy Spirit because we know things are not the way it should be. But we have been moved to begin putting, but have we been moved in our own lives to begin that work? Matthew 5, 9, this is Jesus right before the, the scripture of salt and light. Jesus said, God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God. We work for peace because we know that things that are going on are not the way that they are supposed to be. And as kingdom bearers, we know that if we're going to truly follow away the G, away of Jesus, that's the way things are supposed to be. And this is where this idea of us being exiles comes in, is because we know that the kingdom has come because of Jesus, but we also know that it's not yet here because he hasn't returned. 
as citizens of heaven, we're walking almost as exiles, as aliens in a culture that we see things and we know that they're not right. We notice things on the news and we know that they are not right. And what do we do about it? We work for the peace and prosperity of our communities. You are in exile, but you have this opportunity, this responsibility, and the blessing of being a kingdom bearer to bring peace and prosperity to your families, to your neighborhoods, to your schools, to your workplaces, to our environment, to our city, to our state, to our country. And it's something that we have to hold on to and honestly look and say, how can I invest? How can I work for the peace and prosperity of my city? And so this is why here at Open Life, we're really passionate about strategic generosity, which Stads is going to talk about at the end of the service. But it's cool, like this last week was the school supply give. And I don't know if you saw this, but Dana did some blurbs on the video leading up to this, you know, talking about it and just kind of just announcing about it and what we're going to be doing. But what you didn't see, what I got to see is I cut it off, but I'm going to just tell it now. But at the end of the video, Dana just starts crying because she's so passionate about the school supply give. And it's so cool because she knows that some of those kids have been waiting all summer to get back to school. They've been, they left school in June and they did not want to leave because they knew the situations that they had to go home to. And so she knew that there's kids that don't have school supplies but who want to be at school. And so when we have this opportunity for the schools of I give, and thank you to everyone that came to help over the course of the week, and thank you to everyone who gave to it, because it's just amazing to see that when we choose to invest in the students, we're working for the peace and prosperity of our community. So that a family doesn't have to spring for school supplies and have a really stressful first week of school. So that a kid can show up and not be worried about the stigma of, I don't have all the school supplies that I need. So that day one, they can focus on learning and being back with their friends and just focus on, like, just being a kid. That's working for peace and prosperity of a community. And so... As we move to thought five, the most important part is to pray. Jeremiah said, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare, talking about where you're living, for its welfare will determine your welfare. We have a command, a mandate, a responsibility, however you want to say it. We have that to pray for our community. Peace and prosperity start with prayer. If we're going to multiply, multiplication starts with prayer. If we're going to reap a harvest of the things that we're planting into our community, that starts with prayer. If we're going to create a plan of being rooted in our homes and in our communities and in our neighborhoods, that starts with prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37 through 8, he said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few, so pray to the Lord for pray." To the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields. And that's the prayer of open life. To pray for more workers. Peace and prosperity takes work. And so to be super practical again, I want to challenge you to begin covering the community of Bonnie Lake, Buckley, Sumner, wherever your home is. Begin to pray where you're present. 
And so what do I mean to that? What do I mean by saying pray where you're present? It's to be very practical in that maybe you're going to drop off your kid at school in the coming weeks that you would choose to maybe take the drive from the entrance to the school to the front of the building and say, I'm going to pray and claim this property for God. I'm just going to pray over the teachers, the administrators, over my child's teacher, over the hallways, and I'm going to just claim it and just say, God, bring peace and prosperity to this school. Like, we've been doing this at local schools, praying for the peace and prosperity of schools by walking into them and just praying for them. We do that every morning before service. We don't just pray for our service here, but we pray for the peace and prosperity of Bonnie Lake High School each and every morning when we pray as volunteers. Maybe you're a teacher, and as you walk through the halls, you're going to pray over the halls before class starts, the classrooms, the offices in your school. Maybe you work in an office building, and as you walk from your car to the building, up the stairs or in the elevator, you're just taking that time to pray over the people that are going to walk over the same ground you're walking on. And you're just going to say, God, bring peace and prosperity to my coworkers. Bring peace to this office building. God, I pray for the situations. And like, I don't know your situation, but I think you'll begin to think of things that you can specifically pray for. Whether it's a coworker who is sick, or they have family who are sick, or you just know about a situation. Just let your mind run wild in prayer. Like, just let your mind run and just say, you know what? There's so many things that I could be praying for. I'm going to commit to doing it. Maybe you commute a long ways and completely out of Bonnie Lake. What if you just took the time that you're coming back and you're starting to go up the hill and you said, you know what? I'm going to use this time to pray for my city in the whole way home. I don't know where you might live, but you're driving up the hill and you're driving down 410 and you probably take a right or a left. And basically, if you just take that time to pray and ask God for the peace and prosperity of our city, you've covered our city through the spine of the city to pray for it. And you begin to see, my, you might see things that you're saying, you know what, God, why is it like that? I know that's not the way it should be, and I want to pray for it before I begin to think about how I want to work at addressing it. What if we walk through the grocery store and you just prayed a quick prayer for the clerk that helped you from the time you left the check stand to the time you put your groceries in your trunk? What if you just prayed for the person that just randomly walked by you down, down the aisle? What if you just walked around your neighborhood on the perimeter and just said, God, I pray for all the families and all these houses, and I just pray you would bring peace and prosperity to their life. Take your kids to the park or a school playground and trick them into walking around the school and just say, hey, what should we pray for at school today? Like, what did you learn today that we could pray for? Could we pray for your teacher? Could we pray for your friends? But super practical. And I'm not even saying you have to go up to a person and pray for them. I'm saying wherever you're present, choose to be a person of prayer. That's the mandate responsibility we've all been given. And I guarantee you, there will be a moment where someone, where something comes inside of you and just says, you know what, I actually need to pray for that person. That's called listening to the Holy Spirit speak into your life. And the only way we get to that point is when we're praying continually. 
So this is to be super practical. Maybe you're even going to work at it today. And the minute you walk out these doors, you're going to pray for Bonnie Lake High School as you're walking to your car. That could be your resolve to get that habit going. Is I'm going to start the minute at 11, probably 13 today, uh, walking out of the service. That's what we get to do every single day of our lives practical challenge. And so today the action point is super simple. Continually bless the community. Continually bless the community. Simply put, let your prayers turn to action. As we're praying, let's just begin to think about the opportunities we have to bless our community. It could start with you we're talking about schools a lot because it's the beginning of school, but like, what if you not only prayed for your teacher, but you just sent a card with your son or daughter that just said, hey, I'm praying for you this year. I know being a teacher is hard, and I just want you to know that you have a parent who's praying for you all year long. Might make the teacher start crying. (laughs) I don't know. It'd be cool. I like crying, so I've been doing it a lot, like the last year. And so it's like, when you're moved to tears because someone prayed for you, there's nothing more special. What if you're at work and you just think, I've been praying over for the peace and prosperity in my workplace. How can I take an extra step just to bless people? So maybe you bring in coffee for a coworker or you have a Keurig and you buy a new really good K-Pods, because sometimes you can have really bad K-Pods, and you know, I want to bless my workplace by giving them good coffee, as good as they can get from a K-Cup machine. Simple things, but I think as they pile on top of each other, they become mountains of just blessing for other people. On a city, on a hill, is how our light is supposed to shine, and so we have that opportunity to do that through prayer, and through action. Let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That everyone word in there, that's very challenging. Our work will never finish, but it's good work, and it's worth it every single time. So let's pray together. God, we pray for the peace and prosperity of Bonnie Lake High School because that's where we're at right now. God, we pray for the peace and prosperity of Bonnie Lake, of Buckley, of Sumner, of Wilkeson, Carbonado, Lakeland, Auburn, Lake Taps, everywhere that we come in contact with, God, we pray for the peace and prosperity. God, we pray for the peace and prosperity of our workplaces. We pray for the peace and prosperity of our homes. God, just let us be empowered to be beacons of light and hope for everyone so they can see you. Show us those practical ways we can pray. Show us those maybe extra special ways that we can serve and bless people even this week. But God, most of all, let us join and jump in to the mission of Jesus and making that a part of our lives. Let us either begin or restart or continue the good work that you have started within us, God, until the day that you return. As exiles, we wait for you and we are going to get rooted, we are going to invest, and we are going to love people at every opportunity we have.
In your name we pray. Amen.